Welcome to the Aquarimax Audio Show with Russ and Kim. We provide information on all kinds of aquarium-related topics. This is episode 326, recorded April 11, 2017. Greetings, Aquarimaxers. Hi, guys. Well, we missed last week. We've kind of been missing more weeks lately, but uh, we are back, and we have three contributors, so hopefully you enjoy this week's episode. So we have Adrian in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we have Jeremiah in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we have Oscar in Sweden. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't you start us off? Okay. So we're going to start with Adrian. He says, hi, Russ and Kelly. I've just listened to the last two episodes and I think I'm hearing an improvement in the sound. So thanks much, Lee. As a side note from us, it might not be as improved this episode because we are recording on location in the car. (laughs) Although we're not driving anywhere and we do have a microphone so hopefully it'll work out. But we're in the car waiting for something so we're getting it done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to Adrian. He says, I would like to get your advice on my project. I've had a 30-gallon aquarium for quite some time. I recently purchased someone's project, 120 U.S. gallon or 470 liters, six-foot-long behemoth that I am going to finish. I am planning to keep it simple with filtration provided by a Fluval G6 and compact fluorescence for lighting. I'm planning to keep large schools of small fish just to be different. I'm curious how people deal with water changes, etc. for a tank this large. I really don't want to keep 100 liters of aged water for water changes. I'm not even sure where I would keep that. I think that if I keep the fish load on the low side, I should be able to get away with less maintenance. What kinds of challenges do you see with a tank this large, and how would you deal with them? Also, I wouldn't mind some suggestions for fish to keep in this mammoth tank. I'm thinking of some rams because I've always liked them, but I also want some schooling fish, such as white clouds. Hopefully there's enough room to keep aggression to a minimum. Thanks. Looking forward to your comments. Okay. Well, a lot of good stuff there. Um, let me just look at that for a minute because I want to make sure I cover it all. you've got notes underneath. Okay. Yeah, I think I probably do. Well, let's start out and, and say, I think it does help if you're going to keep the fish load low that, uh, you know, s- somewhat smaller water changes are possible. Although, honestly, I would suggest going one of two routes. Uh, Either doing an automatic water changing system like uh, Python. Well, that's not really automatic, but you know what I mean. Uh, A water changing system that you can hook up to your sink and and drain and fill very easily. Because certainly the bucket route with such a large tank is going to be impractical and painful and possibly hazardous. That's my honest opinion. I would not consider keeping... seriously would not consider keeping a tank over 55 gallons without a some sort of system in place to change the water easily and comfortably like you know we have been with we've had a python ever since i don't know how long is that maybe yeah somewhere around there it's been a long time uh years and years and years that we've had one because really water changes are so much easier with it I, I, you, you can't you can't practically do it without something like that. When, when you when you you have multiple tanks or you have larger tanks or you have both, that's I think that's really a way to go. The other possibility would be to install, you know, set up an actual automatic water changing system, where 
water from your plumbing system, you have a float switch and things like that. And so, though, mm, you know, you'd probably need to have a drilled tank in that case. So you have an overflow and you're draining water from your tank constantly. And it's a flow through system, a low volume flow through system, which for a tank that big might well be worth it. And I, uh, something like that. It's, it's not that hard to do. It sounds daunting, but it's not that complicated. Um, I've talked to at least one person who's done it. Of course, I haven't done it, so I can't speak from personal experience on that, but um, I had someone kind of talk me through the the process, and I am tempted to do it sometime, even for some of the smaller tanks, just because it's so much easier. But at least the Python, you can get water changes done quickly, easily, comfortably, and that would be a great thing to do for a 120, and then you could still use it on your 30-gallon and stuff. Save so much more time. So, um, that's what I would do. I, I, and I have, you know, helped people. I, I had a friend who had a 120 gallon tank that he kind of inherited too. And he, he, uh, asked me, you know, what, what should I do for water changes? And he got a Python and he was so excited when he got it at how different it was and how much easier it was. And he said, Oh, thank you for that suggestion. You know, that's so much better. So really that might be a way to do it. Um, because, yeah, keeping that much aged water is hard. And as long as you uh, do the water changes, you know, it depends on your fish. Some fish are more sensitive than others, but a lot of fish are perfectly comfortable with doing a 25% water change just with water from the tap as long as you do a reasonable, make a reasonable effort, get the temperature not too far off, and you just put in the dechlorinator right as you're going. I mean, that's what I do. It's I have some fish that, you know, could be, some of them are really hardy and others are said to be somewhat sensitive, but I've never had a problem doing that with um, this fish here. I mean, the only time I ever had a problem doing that was when I, we were moving and uh, I had to fill the tanks rather quickly and get the fish into the tanks and that quickly. Was and a I, bubble problem. The and there was some outgassing and, and possibly a temperature issue. Yeah. But anyway, had problems with that just when moving because we were doing like 100% water changes. But other than that, it's not that big of a deal. So, um, so there's something about managing that tank. Um... Now, you talked about... that That's the main challenge, honestly. I mean, there are other challenges. You have to make sure with a tank that big that it, the floor is going to support it and things like that, and that you make sure you know where you're going to put floor. it. Yeah, because... Or, or at least make sure that your, you know, your floor is able to handle it. Um, put it on a load-bearing wall. Yeah, exactly. Put it on a load-bearing wall. And make sure that you're going to... Um, you know where you're going to put the tank before you put it there. So, because once it's moving it, it's going to be a pain. Mm-hmm. Not impossible, but a pain. So there's some things. Um, I like the idea of doing schools of small fish in a tank that big. I would love to do that. Someday I still want to do that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend necessarily putting white clouds together with rams. Partly because rams are, you know, they kind of like somewhat warmer water than white clouds do. I think water condition-wise in terms of pH and... Uh, you know, soft and hardness and whatever, they, they are compatible, but temperature-wise, not so much. White clouds like it a little cooler than rams do, so uh, there are a lot of other species you could do, though. There are some tetras that you could do. I mean, there's so many schooling tetras that you could do in a tank like that with rams, if you want to do rams, and I would recommend, honestly, not getting a whole bunch of different schools of different species, because the tank can certainly hold, you know, you could get 20 of this species and 30 of this species and another 15 or 20 of this species, as long as they're really small. But I don't think you'd get a lot of, 
they they would tend to mess each other up in terms of schooling behavior. I think, um, unless, unless the tank is really big. Big school of all the same fish. Right. So consider getting one big school of something, uh, and then some rams, and then maybe some quarries down at the bottom, and they can school too. You I mean, you could get quite a few quarries, get fifteen, twenty quarries. They they like to school. Most of the the species of quarries are are good schoolers, and they'll stay together and travel around and stuff quite a bit in a tank that big. So think about that. But also. Um, a lot of tetras are possibilities. Some tetras are more shoulders. They just kind of hang out together, but they don't school tightly. Others um, school more tightly, so you can look into some options there. Um, there are some rasboras that will do well, tend to school fairly tightly that you could do if you don't want to do tetras. Even barbs. I mean, one of the uh, most tightly schooling fish that I've kept are gold barbs. They tend to be really good at that. And I'm not sure you want gold barbs in a tank with the uh, rams or not, but um, they're good at uh, staying together. Even... Right now, I, I started out with a school of nine, and over the years, you know, the school has slowly kind of diminished, and now I have four, but they still stay tightly together in even a small tank, so that's something to think about, um, just keeping fish that will, will stay schooling tightly, and in a 120, I mean, you can get a lot of them if you have, like, a school of 45, 50 of them, of some of the smaller schooling fish, I mean, that would be really dramatic, I think, and then the rams, and then some, some quarries at the bottom. Uh, I think you could do some really interesting things. And as long as you're keeping some visual barriers in there, that should help reduce um, aggression with the rams as they stake out territories. You know, pieces of driftwood or rock work and plants and things like that to help so that they're not always staring at each other. That should help. All right. So um, there's some options for you. And let's go to Jeremiah. Okay. He says, hello, I wanted to provide an update on my aquarium. I ended up getting sick of the sand. It was too difficult to clean without sucking it up in my siphon. I switched to a traditional natural gravel, which is the first time I've ever actually used it. I've used black sand, tan sand, a fluorite cap over dirt, and artificially covered neon gravel in the past. So far, I'm very pleased with it. I unfortunately lost two neons recently. I think the issue is that I was pulling water from the basement. The water is very cold unless I turn the heat on, and then it takes so long to kick in that when it does, it is far too hot. It is very difficult to get a good temperature with Python going downstairs. Since my aquarium is only a 20-gallon, I decided to try a new method. I now have two 5-gallon buckets that I fill with water the night before the water change, along with an air stone to help shake out any dissolved gases. The next day I put aquarium heaters in them and set them for the temperature in the aquarium. The day of the water change I use my siphon to take water out and use an electric pump to put the perfectly heated water in the aquarium. It's a bit more work, but it is worth it. On an unfortunate note, my horned frog passed away. I think it got too cold in the basement. I've now moved all my animal upstairs. I lost some tarantulas as well. I had previously emailed about some changes I was making to heating the frog's enclosure with an aquarium heater. I can advise anyone use that method now. Or, uh, sorry, I cannot advise anyone to use that method now, at least not in a basement. All right. Well, it's, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to hear about your, your frog. It seems like a very intriguing system, but uh, apparently there are some bugs that you can work out, hopefully, in the future. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like um, it is good news that you've switched over to a gravel that's working for you. And I do like the natural cover of gravel. I think they can, it can look fantastic in the right way. And um, also, the it's a good system that you're using. We've used the system you're using with a pump to pump up back out of the bucket. Uh, we've done that with 
uh, 20 gallon beta tank we had and it worked really pretty well I like that method um, it's it's a lot easier than you know trying to pour it or trying to siphon it hold it up and siphon it or something like that so it's a very good method um, to use too and if you're you know if you have to hold the water then that's that's the way to do it um, all right so thank you Jeremiah and guess what we're gonna do now we're gonna run the break because we can so here we go break thingy when I tell you how you can play an active part in the Aquarimax community. If you want your questions or comments featured on the show, send us an email at info at aquarimax.com or call and leave a message at 801-477-0629. You can also subscribe to the Aquarimax YouTube channel, like our Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter. And now for a blatant but extremely brief plug. Our ebook, The Aquarimax Guide to Seven Easy Live Foods, is available on Amazon.com for $2.99. Okay, now we're back, and we hadn't run that break in so long, I figured we might as well do it. I bet you guys forgot what it sounded like. Some of you may not have even heard it before. Not that that's like a really bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well. We should make a new one. Maybe we should. But now we're going to talk about I should Oscar. Probably not say anything in it. <laughs> no, you should. Okay, so it's Oscar. Okay, in he's southern the, Sweden. Yes, he says hi again. Thanks for the reply and your pronunciation of my name is good. That's good to hear. It's always yeah. sad when I butcher somebody's name. <laughs> he says I was sorry to hear about the car crash. Hope you are all right. Thank you. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting better. After you mentioned the smaller cichlids, I have been really getting into epistogrammas and are now am now considering the epistogramma cacatoides for the 100-gallon tank. Did I say that even remotely? That's yeah, pretty close, okay. yeah. Also, I also wanted to ask about the Biohome Ultra Filter Media. Do you have any experience with it? Is it as good as people say? Also, my first time starting a canister filter. Maybe you could talk a bit about how you would set up a canister filter. I also added a link to a video of my stormtroopers for you. Well, um, there are two questions there that I will try to address. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, epistogrammas are really cool. I've never actually kept them, though. Uh, they tend to do better in water that's not like mine. We have very hard water. Very hard, liquid, rocky sort of water. So mm -hmm. you can... Um, you know, modify your water and stuff, but I've been trying to simplify things, so I'm keeping, like, Tenganyikin cichlids and goldfish and things like that now that don't really care about that, or they're happier in it, actually, uh, especially the, the Tenganyikin cichlids. But I think the, especially that species, uh, the cockatooides, that's um, actually named after cockatoos. Oh. The, the common name in English, at least one of them, <coughs> excuse me, is the cockatoo cichlid or cockatoo dwarf cichlid, whatever. And they're very interestingly colored, and they look kind of like they have a crest, the way their fins work. Mm -hmm. They look kind of like they have a crest on the top of their head, in so a way. So they, they make cockatoos. people think of cockatoos, so they're very the interesting. Uh, so Biohome Ultra Filter Media, you know, I've never, ever used it, so I don't have any opinion on it at all, but I would put that question out there to you Aquarimaxers. If you have used it, you could uh, let Oscar know what you think about it. And, you know, the same thing about canister filters. I've never actually used one. I built a couple of filters that might, you know, they share some 
characteristics in common, I guess, with a with a canister filter. But I've never actually bought a canister filter and used it. Uh, that, you know, so I can't really tell you much about one. But uh, again, if there are those of you out there who have used canister filter and would like to share a little information with Oscar about it, that would be most welcome. And you can also check out Oscar's Stormtroopers. He's got some some Corys and he's got some uh, Black Mollies and so on in his tank. It looks very cool, so you should check him out. Um, and it's on his Instagram, uh, so we'll put the link to that, and you can check those out. So, uh, lastly, I wanted to just give a little fishy update of my own. A couple of fun things that I've been working on. I finally have transferred some of the fish over to the 29-gallon that I've been working on forever. Uh, I had some fish in a 20-gallon, and I've been... The tanks has long since been cycled, but I've been kind of trying to get it to look a little bit more like how I want it, and so on. Um, finally, I just decided, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it to look exactly how I want, so I'm just going to move some fish over. It's been cycled for a long time, and it's a pain to have the tank sit there and not be, have any fish in it. So I moved the four gold barbs, and I moved some multis um, into that tank, along with some shells, of course, for the multis. And everything seems to be doing fine. There are five multis in there right now. They're staking out territories and everything already. I'm actually thinking of buying some more shells uh, because there aren't really... There are enough for the fish that are in there now, but there's not enough for much population expansion. So what I'm thinking of doing is just putting some more shells in there. And then eventually I'm going to put the Julitochromis marlieri in there too with them. They haven't seemed to be to have bothered the multis a lot. I mean, the multis are doing really well. They're in fact growing a little faster than the multis in my uh, multi-only tank, probably because there's less competition with other multis for food and so on. So... Um, not a lot faster, but a little faster. They are also older, so there's that too. But um, they're doing fine. So I think I'm going to have a community with Multis and Julitochromis marlieri because it seems to be working already. So hopefully we'll get it going. And if the Multis are in there first, they have a shot at doing, you know, being kind of home court advantage against the larger Julitochromis, and hopefully they'll be fine. The... Um, Gold barbs are functioning well as target fish. The, the Julitochromis don't do them any harm, but they do occasionally chase them out of their territory, which makes them feel like they can have a pair bond. So, um, good stuff. It's been fun to, to watch that start out, and I'll see how things evolve. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do eventually. I might switch the multi-tank and make that 29-gallon into just a multi-tank, and then move the Julitochromis into the 20-gallon where I have the larger multi-colony now. We'll see. It's just it's fun to have options and just play around with things. And then I'm also going to put the tank, which the Gelidochromos are in now, I'm just going to kind of strip it down and use it as a, a Daphnia breeding tank because a 20-gallon is a good size to get a lot of Daphnia going, and then I can always have Daphnia on hand for feeding. And, well, right now I always have a Daphnia culture, but it's like a 4-gallon tank, so it doesn't produce near as much as it did when I had it in a 10-gallon, so I'm going to put it in a 20-gallon. should produce a lot and then I can have enough to sell and enough to feed fish whenever I want. And that'll be great. So I think that's about all for this week. Um, so we shall say, stay fishy, and... May the fish be with you. And I just had a question for you about the word. Oh, what? I say behemoth. Do you not say behemoth? 
I don't know. It's it was one of those words that I grew up reading but never hearing. So uh-huh. okay, I don't know. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably just curious. Saying it totally. You can pronounce it however you want. You have the license of pronunciation, oh, so you can say whatever you want. I just usually say behemoth, so I was curious. What did I say, behemoth? I think so. But anyway, it doesn't I matter. I don't know if there's... We don't, we'll have to look that up in a dictionary mm-hmm. and see where the stress is supposed to be. Yep. Anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we already said, may the fish be with you. So may now it still we're, be with I you. I hope the fish is still with you. I hope it didn't leave yet. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Aquarium For additional episodes, please visit aquarium.com. To leave comments or questions that could be featured on an upcoming podcast, leave a message at 801-477-0629 or email us at info at aquarium.com.